We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Awesome. Hey, well, we thought we'd change it up with a bit of a wee interview to start off so you can get to know Daniel, because really he's just family. Uh, he's from, from Equipa's Central Coast, um, which is awesome uh, to have someone from around the world who just speaks the same language, who just sows into the kingdom uh, the same way. Um, yeah, different accent as Will says, but he's still cool. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, for okay, sure, okay. for sure. I'm like real bad at picking up accents. I've been really battling the whole weekend to... To keep Kiwi, eh? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> All right. Um, so let's start off. Maybe you could just tell us a little about uh, yourself. Um, obviously, I've said where you're from and stuff, but yeah, yeah just a little yeah. bit. So um, obviously, Dan from uh, California. I grew up, was born and raised in California, a little town called Orchid, um, which most people just drive through. And uh, and then I moved to, I currently live in Pismo Beach, which is um, uh, where uh, Equippers is located in California. It's in, uh, actually, it's a suburb of P- Pismo, but yeah. So um, family's all there. Um, yeah, California through and through. <laughs> It was crack up. Daniel was telling me about um, like where he's from and stuff, and I thought like California was all just beaches and stuff, but it turns out there's like ranches, eh? Like everywhere, and like your family's a farming family. Is that right? Uh, not my. Yeah, there's ranches everywhere. My family is not really farming. Um, they're not farmers, but uh, I did raise a pig growing up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we. I live in like a very unique part of California where it's like coast meets the um, kind of agricultural side of the state. And so like a lot of my surf buddies like country music and they wear like cowboy boots and stuff. And so it's this weird like dynamic. One of my good friends growing up, he shooed horses for a li- like that's what he does for a living, but he's a really good surfer too. And it's just a really, like, you'll hear surfers, like, driving up to Garth Brooks, you know, up to the beach. So, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty funny. So, so cool. Um, I guess, well, what's, what's been your favorite place in New Zealand so far that you've, you've been traveling around, obviously? What's been your highlight so far of this country? Uh, Dunedin, of course. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Dunedin, Moving on. Of course. <laughs> so, um, no, honestly, this has been one of the highlights, absolutely. And... Uh, I, the whole country is beautiful. It's kind of like sickening how beautiful this country is. Um, like around every turn, there's this picturesque landscape. And uh, I did get to visit Raglan, which I was really fond of that. Um, there's really good waves there, and the town's really cool. Um, and then, but Raglan and here by far have been my favorites. So, yeah. I, I wasn't too fond of Auckland. So, yeah. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now we love Auckland too, kind of, kind of. Hey, that's awesome. Um, Daniel was saying that he's from a place that well, it's pretty much 120,000 around about their population as well. So that's probably why he likes Dunedin because it's just, you know, mini, was, yeah. mini your town. Yeah, it's totally the same. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But uh, population-wise, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, we, they took me up on, what was the hill? Signal Hill, and the that's no the I'm sorry the steepest street of the 
Street. Well, yeah, Baldwin Street. And we, uh, there was this family there, and they let their kids, um, like, run down it. And, and you could hear, the, like, the family was at the bottom of the hill, and they let their kids walk down on their own. And you could see the kids start to run down the hill, and you could hear the parents at the bottom of the street yelling, like, stop running. And we were kind of like, well, you probably shouldn't have, like, let them just go, go down the hill by yourself, you know. But I was, I've been thoroughly impressed with this area because, like, that, that sh- street is a feat of engineering. I don't know how anybody lives on that street. But, and, uh, and then the hill, yeah, the hill was beautiful that we went up, and it's just an unbelievable area. Awesome. Um, so obviously you've been touring around New Zealand a bit. Do you want to just tell us a bit about why you came, what you've been up to? Um, yeah, anything yeah, around there. Absolutely. Um, so I, I came kind of out of a response to um, a, a number of uh, prophetic words that I had received. Um, the first being last year at the Axe Conference, Michael Maiden gave me one. And then uh, a few months later, I, I had a uh, two pastors give me the same word two days in a row and then an- another lady in my church gave me the same word like a week later so um, at that point I was kind of like well maybe I should go to New Zealand um, uh, so I've been I've been uh, my journey's been kind of a, a definitely taken a different path than I, I would have foresaw for my life um, I now I'm like I, I write and I, I do a bit of speaking um, Growing up, I didn't learn how to read or write until I was 11, and I was in speech therapy until I was 12, and I didn't start surfing until I was 16. I hated traveling. I was like a mama's boy. I couldn't even spend the night next door, you know? Like, so everything in my life that I'm doing now is like complete opposite of what I thought I'd be doing. It's totally the Lord's grace. It, he's definitely used my weaknesses, and, and that was kind of the... As, as he started to open these doors and as I started to respond to um, to his leading, I, I kind of was arguing with him for a long time, um, saying he had the wrong person, you know, um, that he didn't know what he was doing and, and whatnot. And uh, he finally he finally interrupted my thoughts one day and spoke the, the verse, um, my grace is sufficient for power is perfected in weakness. My power is perfected in your weakness. So... Um, Essentially, when you kind of realize you've underestimated the Lord's grace, um, you, it's a quite humbling thing because that entails, that means that you've underestimated the cross and the power of the blood. And um, so, so kind of when I had that realization, I didn't really have an excuse anymore, you know. So, so um, yeah, so that's essentially what's kind of led me to this point. And, and so I've been traveling around the country uh since i go to the equippers back in california there's some connections you know and so i've been fortunate enough to visit a few of the equippers here in new zealand and um, a couple of youth ministries up in mount munganui and that area so yeah that's why i'm here great um what's one of like a testimony or something from from your your time here what's something that stood out to you or god's done something crazy cool um the the thing that has stood out to me the most since I've been here in terms of, of what the Lord's done, and it's not like this crazy, um, you know, like I, nobody got like radically healed of like, you know, a foot disease or anything like that. It's um, like I, uh, 
so when I was in Mount Munganui, and this was, part of the reason why it has stood out is because it, it uh, was very unexpected for me. Like, I hadn't planned on it, but... Um, my friend there, my contact there, he, he works with at-risk youth, um, like basically the, the kids at school that um, are too rowdy to be in normal class, so they put them like kind of on their own class and kind of do their own thing, and um, a lot of them have learning disabilities and stuff like that, and, and so one day he was just like, oh, we're, we're having an outing with the kids today. And this was like a couple weeks ago when I was up there. And he's like, you want to just come and hang out with us? And so I went with him. And then um, he didn't tell me he was going to do this but when because it's a public school. So he, he's, he just goes for it and shares the Lord with them. But at the same time, there's also a lot of restrictions with it. And so he just like threw me out there. He's And, and like in the middle of the class, he's just like, yeah, Dan's going to talk about his story and like kind of just threw me under the bus without telling me he was going to do it and so I got to like share you know kind of my story and with the learning disability or the learning difficulties and and uh, it it was something I could just for me it was very special to get to speak into those kids lives and and because I could see that very a lot of them had the same issues that I, I dealt with you know and and to know that like um something that I had not even planned to do, you know, um, that, and something that's obviously kind of dear to my heart. I, the Lord, the Lord was able to, um, use that, you know, that, that really stood out regardless of, um, you know, like if I ever hear from them again, just to be able to say like, Hey, you have purpose, like whatever's, you know, you're dealing with the Lord has purpose behind it. So. Awesome. Um, I know you're huge on surfing. I like it. Yeah, yeah, you do like it. I've been surfing once, so I don't know much, but I, I've, I've gone to my bank of, of like surfing terminology here. Okay. What is the gnarliest <laughs> surfing nice. story yeah, you yeah. had? Okay. Totally gnar. That's good. That's good. Because uh, that, that'll le- actually lead into what I'm going to share. Yeah, okay. so it's a story in, I, I was in, on a surf trip in Fiji, and uh, there, there is a big like storm that, that essentially came and, and uh, scared the wits out of me. Like, while I was, like put, put the fear of God into me really, really quickly. Um, but should I just jump into that? You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'll... Well, yeah, Dan's going to head into his word now, but so good to get to know you a little bit um, before yeah. you start sharing the word. So, cool. yeah, let's give it up for Daniel as awesome. he comes to share the word. Awesome, yeah. So that uh, that is a, like a um, perfect segue because uh, I was um, on a surf trip in Fiji one time, and we were surfing a, a, a bar- like most of the waves break on barrier reefs, and so there's um, you know you're you're nowhere near shore usually when you're surfing, and so we were surfing a wave that was a couple miles out to sea, and. Um, we took a boat out there and, and, you know, it was the rainy season. So there were squalls pretty much every day. So it wasn't like that big of a deal. I, you, we could see this squall coming and, um, we, we just thought it was going to be a normal one, you know? Um, but then all of a sudden it's, uh, it was like over us and it was black. Like the sky was just black and, uh, it started raining so hard and so fiercely 
that like the boat that was just anchored in the channel 150 yards away, it like you couldn't even see it. And then it was the, the rain was hitting and pounding the, the ocean surface so like with so much force that it, it was causing water to actually splash back up. So you had rain coming down and rain coming up somehow. And so there was so much moisture in the air, it was like hard to breathe. Like I remember hi- kind of hyperventilating because um, there was just so much moisture in the air. And then uh, um, the lightning and thunder started. And that's what put the fear of God into me. <laughs> like that was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was, there was no delay between the two. It was directly overhead. And it was just, it was so powerful that you could literally feel it reverberate through your body like your body vibrated with with it shook with how much force there was and I had like a couple different reactions all you know how you can have like so many thoughts and feelings all at once you know it was like one of those moments so like I was in complete awe and like um, completely uh, inspired and just like amazed at God's creation that I've never witnessed that powerfully before and at the same time completely terrified I realized that I was the tallest object in the water in a lightning storm and that was not a good thing and so um, my first thought is I need to get back to the boat because the boat had a little canopy and I was like if I can get under the canopy at least I'm not the tallest thing in the water anymore Um, and so I I could I like knew where it was just based on where the waves were breaking and where we had anchored and so I started paddling towards it and about halfway there um about halfway there I could see it you know and so I made it onto the to the boat okay and as I'm crawling onto the boat I'm expecting to find our boat driver because he he stayed on the boat while we went out surfing and the boat's not big it's um maybe from here to the end of the stage there it's not like a big boat and he's not there and like he's gone there and we're like a couple miles out to sea so my first thought was, did I miss the rapture? Like, <laughs> Lord, like, is, is this what it is, you know? Like, um, and then uh, I just was like, what's going on? Like, where, where is he, you know? And all of a sudden, there's a hatch I hadn't noticed, and it, like, swings open, and out of this hatch comes this billow of marijuana smoke. And emerging with the billow of smoke is the boat driver. And he had, like, gone below deck to smoke during this crazy storm that essentially terrified the living daylights out of me. And uh, I'm not, like, going to go into, like, condemning the boat driver. That's not where I'm going with it. Um, What what I learned from that situation, what the Lord taught me was... um, familiarity can dull our vision it can dull our vision and and for me the the situation that was so awe-inspiring and and like this moment of, of reverence towards God for this guy because he had grown up around it his whole life it was just another time to go get high it was just another uh incident to you know circumstance to go get high and and the two were based totally on, the two reactions were based totally on familiarity or lack thereof. And, and for my life, um, I'd grown up in church, like I, from 
as young as I can remember, I've been in church and I've had loving, amazing Christian parents. And, uh, but at so- somewhere along the line, I kind of lost my vision. I-, I lost that sense of awe and wonder of the Lord. And, and my vision of the Lord had been um, blurred, if you will, because of the familiarity of the situation. Because I I'd, um, had been around it so much that it was just another, you know, ju- just another day, just another incident. Um, and so I kind of want to get talk a little bit about that, about purpose, about vision. Um, because for me, th- this, like I said earlier, this has been a journey for me. And it... <laughs> It's definitely not anything, um, to be quite honest, I wanted to do <laughs> and, and anything I thought I would be doing. Um, uh, but the, the reality is, is that at some point in my life, like involved in ministries, involved in doing missions, short-term missions, at some point in the midst of that, I found myself struggling with the idea that I was somehow missing my purpose. And, and that's not good, right? Like if you're walking with the Lord and, and you're kind of struggling with that, that's not a good, necessarily a good thing. Mm. Our purpose and our ability to love is directly related to our ability to see God. And I really believe that. And it's directly related to our ability to see God. And, and for me, the familiarity had hindered my ability to see God. Um, I want to look at um, a, a portion of scripture that most of us are familiar with. And, and it's not like um, anything necessarily super profound. <laughs> but it, it, for me, it, it changed my perspective and it changed... My, it really did change my life when the Lord began to speak this scripture to my heart because it, it, it really changed my view of God, my view of life, of purpose, of church. It, it really just turned my world upside down. And so and it, it's something I, I continue to... Um, it's something that still continues to speak to me daily, that I still... I still continue to have to remind myself of this daily because it's, it's really easy to lose vision. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just read really quick. It's in Genesis. Um, it's Genesis 3, 7 through 9. It says, oh, we all know the story, right? Adam and Eve, they sin, they eat the fruit, um, they realize they're naked, and so they you know, sow fig leaves to cover themselves and they do a bunch of stupid stuff. Um, and, and we all think of it from, from our perspective, from Adam and Eve's perspective, like Adam and Eve, you guys are idiots. Like, what did you do to us? You know? Um, but I kind of want to look at it maybe from a little bit different perspective. So it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Um, 
that, that has, that verse has honestly changed my life. Um, because you have to, for me, I had to, I had to imagine that scene from God's perspective. Um, the, the pre-incarnate Christ is, he's walking through his creation, right? And at, at this point, it's a creation unmarred by sin. Like New Zealand, like I said, is sickeningly, sickeningly beautiful. Like this creation puts New Zealand to shame. Like this creation puts the most beautiful landscape on earth to shame because it has not been tarnished at all by sin yet. Um, Job said, in Job, it says this about this creation. It says, who laid the cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the angels of God shouted for joy? The angels literally were shouting for joy. The stars were singing at the amazing beauty that God was creating when he was creating this creation. It says, it goes on in Job to say, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? The reality is that God has access to it all. He has access to it all. Um, It was creation at its most glorious. A world of incomparable beauty. Um, I did a little research, just, I'm kind of a nerd, um, and Google makes it really easy to be a nerd. So um, I'm going to just read off a few, some facts about this creation. Um, so humans, first I'll do human, human facts. The messages from the human brain travel along nerves at up to 200 miles an hour. So like if you stick your finger on a hot stove and, and you know, you're like, ow. That message was sent to your finger at 200 miles an hour. Um, If a human being's DNA were uncoiled, it would stretch nearly 10 billion miles from Earth to Pluto and back. I know that seems like, I had to like research that because that didn't make sense to me. But, and, and there's some like scientists that are in disagreement if it stretches to Pluto or to the moon or, you know, but essentially it's a really long way. Um. And so, and it says, for an adult human, taking just one step uses up to 200 muscles. One step. I didn't even know I had that many muscles. (laughs) The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. This is more than the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Your brain has more nerve cells and more connections then there are stars in our galaxy. Um, an adult human body is made up of seven octillion atoms. I have no idea what an octillion is. <laughs> but I know it's more than a trillion, and it says there's seven of them. There are so many nerve cells in a human brain that it would take almost 3,000 years to count them if you were to sit down and try and count them one by one. 3,000 years. If a person, the average person takes about 23,000 breaths a day or about 672,768,000 breaths in a lifetime. And we do that without even thinking about it. 
God has created us in such a way to do that without even thinking about it. Uh, So here's some more facts about the galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is roughly 100,000 light years across. Now, if you're like me, when I read that, I didn't really know how impressive that was because a light year doesn't mean anything to me. It, you know, obviously it's, it's the distance light travels in a year, but that doesn't mean anything to me, right? Like, but a single light year is roughly 9.5 trillion kilometer, kilometers. 9.5 trillion kilometers is one light year, and our galaxy is roughly 100,000 light years across. So that, that kind of put it in perspective. That's massive. Um, it has up to 400 billion stars in it. It takes the sun roughly 250 million years to complete an orbital circuit around our galaxy. Now, I, I shared this fact one time with my uncle. and he, or he, My uncle was out of service. I shared this fact. And I love my uncle. He's great. Um, but afterwards, he like, got into an argument with me about the age of the earth. And so don't take this as me making a stance on how old the earth is. I really don't care how old the earth is. Like if, it was, if it's been around that long or not, that it's just saying that at some point, if the sun does a, a complete orbit around our galaxy, it'll be 250 million years. So um, yeah, it's not like a stance on how old the earth is. This is just our galaxy, you guys. The universe is littered with galaxies like ours. Many more, like bigger, many greater than ours, some smaller, but this is just ours. We don't know exactly how big our universe is, but scientists with, um, have determined like through calculations and all their instruments and whatnot, um, that the edge of what they call the observable universe, that means as far out as they can calculate it, is 46 billion light years away. But they know it continues on beyond that. They just they haven't been able to like calculate how far or anything. 46 billion light years away, is that's the edge of the observable universe. And in the midst of all that lies our relatively small and insignificant planet. The Lord who created all this, who has access to all of this, he has, he's walked on the rings of Saturn. He, he's like explored the moons of Neptune. He knows the volcanoes on Mars by name. Like he, he has seen in the depths of the craters of Mercury. He's walked there. He knows the mysteries of all black holes. If there's life on other planets, it was by his breath that it was created. It is upheld by his word. This very material, this matter is upheld by his word. Without his word, it would cease to exist. He knows every mystery in every universe every star in every galaxy, and yet where do we find him in Genesis? We find him showing up in the garden to walk in the cool of the day with his beloved. 
every day he shows up in the garden to walk with his beloved, with, with us, with you, with me, every day. And when he doesn't find them, what does he do? He calls out for us. When we've hidden ourselves from him, he calls out for us. He doesn't need to call for us. He knows every star in every galaxy. He knows every particle of matter in existence. He knows where they are, right? He doesn't need to call to Adam and Eve. But he's calling to them because he wants to continue his walk. This, this is what gets me, you guys. Think of how many years prior to the fall that God would do this every day. That in the midst of his creation of this universe and all of its intricacies to keep it in existence, all the planets that have to grab, you know, circumnavigate each other and hold gravity together and, and all the creation, all the, the profound intricacies of existence that God, more than anything, desires to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. And his desire has not changed. And for me, that, that has really impacted my life. Because like I said, I grew up in a Christian home and I, I was involved in ministry, and, and for an, a number of years, I, was, I, just, I gave time, resource, effort to the cause of Christ. Like I was devoted to the cause of Christ. And, and I was having this dialogue with the Lord, and, and finally the Lord like interrupted me one day, and he said, where does your devotion lay? And I said, Lord, you know it's, I'm devoted to the cause of Christ. And I felt like the Lord said this. I felt like he said, I don't need more people devoted to the cause of Christ. I need people devoted to Christ, to the person of Jesus. And there's a huge difference between the two. And, and my life has, I've spent so much time being devoted to the cause that I miss this God that above everything else in the universe desires to walk with us in the afternoon. Cool. The afternoon coolness, you know, he, in, in the midst of everything, he desires to have an intimate relationship with us. I, and, and for so many years, I've, I, I missed that. And, and so my, my heart now is to hopefully be able to encourage others not to make that same mistake. Because the reality is at the heart of God and at the heart of all the chaos around us is God's desire to walk with us. That is, that is God's desire. And his is, he says, I do not change. Right? He, said, he, he declared that himself. He said, I am God. I do not change. I don't waver. That is still his desire today. That is still, that is still what motivates him today is to walk with us. 
I'm going to skip ahead to verse 21. Uh, I'll just read it really quick. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, um, obviously, like if, you're, if you've studied the Bible, you know the significance of this. Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with, with fig leaves. Um, God here is essentially declaring to us that it's all, he, he can only provide a sufficient covering for our shame. Like o- only God can provide a sufficient covering for our shame. Um, the, the, at this point in time, the Old Testament had not been instituted yet. So there, there was no animal sacrifice for sin yet. That, in fact, at this point in time, death had not even entered the world yet. So, so there was no death yet. Like nothing had died yet. And so, so Bible scholars, you know, they, they, they go into great study about this. Because, because the, if that's the case, then the, the logical question is where did they get the, where did God get these garments of skin to clothe them. So God, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the sacrifice, had to perform the first sacrifice in order to get the garments of skin to cover Adam and Eve's shame so that he could continue to walk with them through the garden. So when it says that he is the first and the last, it is much more than just a simple declaration of his eternal existence. It is the fact that he performed the first sacrifice knowing full well that he would be the last sacrifice. So the cross and all that he has accomplished must never lose its awe to us. 77 generations took place from the time Adam to the time of Jesus, 77 generations, God instituted, he inaugurated with this simple act, our redemption. For 77 generations, he interwove it into mankind, the history of mankind into each person's heart, that he loves us, that he covers our shame, and that he has a plan for our redemption. For 77 generations, He used people like Rahab the harlot, David the shepherd. He used people like Isaiah the prophet or the disciples, right? Sailors, fishermen. He used the outcast of society. He used the royalty of society. He used the little. He used the big. All to accomplish our redemption so that he could continue to walk with us in the cool of the day. I know for me what the Lord has has really, um, I guess, reprimanded me really is uh, this, that must never, I must never get used to that. I can never, never get used to that. If, if, if I am not impressed by God, then my love and in my life is going to be unimpressive. 
if, if we are not impressed by God's purpose, then our purpose is going to be unimpressive. Like if we can't look at that and be impressed, if we can't look at what God has done for, to continue to walk with us, then our, our purpose is going, if we can't look at that and be impressed, our purpose is going to be unimpressive. Because, like I said before, our purpose and our ability to love is directly related to our ability to see God. And if, if we can't look at his creation and, and see his hand, and, and if we can't look at what he's done to walk with us, we're, we're, we're going to miss it. I missed it for so long. I missed it. And I don't want that to happen to, to anyone. <laughs> I don't want you to have that moment where you realize, oh, I missed it. I was asleep in the garden. You know, Jesus had asked me to keep watch and pray with him on the night of the most significant event to mankind's history, and I fell asleep. But if we want to know our purpose in life, I truly believe that the answer awaits us in a walk through the garden in the cool of the day with the one who made us. We need to make time for that. We have to prioritize that. If we want to understand the present and understand all the chaos in the world, um, we have to understand the past. And, and the, the reality is that all that started, all that, uh, everything that we see today was a result of when that fellowship was broken in the garden. And everything that God has done since that day is to get us back to that fellowship in the garden. God created us with purpose. And I, I truly believe that somewhere in, inside each of us, we know that. We know we have purpose. We know that we were created for a purpose. But the reality is that purpose is not something we can attain by our own efforts or determine on our own. I, I don't get to determine my purpose because I didn't create myself. Purpose has to be received, right? Purpose has to be received because it has to be given by the creator. I, when, as a kid, I used to have to mow my parents' lawn every weekend. I'd, I'd mow their lawn. And the lawnmower was an amazing tool for that. It mowed the lawn perfectly. You know, it did it, did it great. But if I wanted to use that lawnmower to vacuum the carpet, it would do a terrible job, right? Like, there'd probably be stuff that would get broken. Um, but a lawnmower and a vacuum cleaner have similar attributes, right? They're, they're made similarly, but with completely different purposes. And the purpose was determined by the inventor, by the one who created them and said, oh, I'm, I need to cut this grass. I need to find a more efficient way to do that. So I'm going to make this lawnmower, right? God created us. So he knows our purpose. And so it, he has to speak his purpose into our lives. And when we prioritize time with him, 
we position ourselves to receive our purpose. We position ourselves for him to speak his purpose into our lives. Um, I'm going to skip that. Um, I'm going to read one more scripture here. It's out of Exodus. Exodus 3, uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him. We, I'll preface it. This is a burning bush. So we probably all, most of you guys probably know, know the story. So Moses is out tending his sheep, and he sees the bush on fire. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I I am. It's interesting to me that God waited for Moses to respond to his presence before he spoke. He waited for Moses to respond to his presence before the dialogue was started. Moses had the choice what he wanted to do with God's presence. And God's presence is all around us, you guys. His presence is screaming at us with every sunset, every sunrise, every beautiful night sky, his presence is screaming at us. And we have the choice of what we want to do with his presence. We can respond and start the dialogue, or we can continue to tend sheep in the desert. Moses responded, and he, he literally changed the history of the world by responding to the Lord's presence. He could have kept tending sheep in the desert, and he probably would have gone on and had a okay life, you know? But by responding, he was able to be used by the Lord in a way that nobody else has been used since, really. Ethan Siegel, he's an astrophysicist, he said this, and he, he is not a Christian. Um, And I'm just paraphrasing, it's not a direct quote. But as far as I know, he's not a Christian. But he says, uh, the most astounding thing about our universe is that it is created in such a way so that we can understand it. And what he means by that is that there's things like the laws of gravity, there's things that we can, there's, there's actual structure and formation that we in our human intellect can look at, decipher, and understand. And to me, that is the burning bush. That is God declaring to us his presence. And we have the responsibility or the choice of what we want to do with that declaration. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, I'm almost done, you guys. (laughs) One more quote. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she was a poet in the 1800s. She said this, she said, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. And only he who sees takes off his shoes. 
the rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Isn't that the truth? Only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. I don't want to pluck blackberries anymore. I've done that. I've done that for far too long. We will be successful in our purpose when we place a proper value on his presence. Everything comes back to how much we value his presence. Because he valued our presence so much that he would essentially not only do, but he would experience the thing very contra- the, the thing that's absolutely contrary to his nature. And that's death, right? He says he's the God of life. So when he inaugurated the redemption process and he sacrificed that first sacrifice to cover them so he could continue to walk with them, he, he did it by a means that was completely contrary to his nature. And then he experienced it himself when he hung on that cross. All so that he could continue to walk with us, you guys. And I, I believe like Matt prophetically declared earlier that there are people who God wants to locate, who, who God has, you know in your heart and in your life that he has declared his presence to you, that he's, he's appeared in that burning bush in some form or another. And, and now we are faced with the choice of what do we do now? Do I value his presence the way he values mine? Or do I continue to go about herding sheep in the desert and essentially miss my purpose in life? So I'm going to pray, you guys. And whether you know the Lord or you don't, I, I would just encourage you guys to, to pray this prayer with me. If it's your first time praying it, awesome. Clo- you know, pray, pray in your heart. I'm not going to embarrass you guys. Just this is between you and the Lord. And this is a decision about where, where do we value his presence in our life? Do we prioritize his presence so that we take time to walk with him in the cool of the day? So, Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you value our presence to a degree that is hard to comprehend, Lord. I thank you that you value our presence to a degree that you would do something completely contrary to your nature, all to be with us. Lord, I pray that anybody in this room that has not accepted your presence into their life, Lord, I pray that you would move on their heart, that they would understand that you have plans to prosper them and not to harm them, Lord, that you have a hope and a future for them, Lord, that you have purpose, that you have interwoven from the foundation of the world into their life, Lord, that you have predestined them for a life of purpose. 
Lord, I pray you would move on hearts, Lord, that those who know you, Father, would be inclined to place a value on your presence above anything else in life, that we would value your presence above our own time, above our own needs, that we would value your presence above all else, Lord, that we would make time for your presence. Lord, and I thank you that you make time for us. And I thank you for this church, Lord, and this body here, and just what an encouragement and a blessing they've been to me, Lord. And I pray you would bless them, Father, that you would fill this house with your spirit, that you would cover it with your blood, and that you would prosper it, and that you would grow it. And I pray you'd bring in hungry hearts, Lord, from the need in that that need to know you, Lord, and that that uh, Pastor Will and Matt and the staff here, they, they, Lord, they have the ability to introduce you to them, Lord. So I pray that you would bring people into this place that don't know you, Lord. And I thank you for their heart to reach this city, Lord. I pray you would do a work here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.